I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, diving in the knowledge of Ayurveda as a coach, while sharing the ride with others in search for truth, identity and purpose. I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I do and may you pick something up that sparks you on your own journey. Hey. Thanks for coming back to another podcast because I wanted to take some time with you alongside the idea of that you have been somebody who's been traveling the world and you know you do your inner travels, your inner journeying quite regular as we found out in the last episode through your meditation and different practices but I think what uh, is super interesting maybe to our listeners too is you know your understanding of the world of meditation through the subjects that you teach math and physics yeah is that okay if we talk about that yeah it's very okay because it's uh, it's uh, it's an issue that I that I love and uh, mm. that let's say my first interest into physics and spirituality which is which is very much connected for me was a book by Werner Heisenberg the path and the whole it's called mm -hmm. And I read it when I was, I think I was 16, and this opened a completely new world and perspective for me. I see. So I was interested in physics before in school, when I was in high school at that time, I was interested very much in physics, but it was kind of a mechanic thing, and this book opened the perspective very widely. And... Um, it was clear that all the old concepts that we had of our our nature and I had of, of nature were completely put upside down. It was like uh, it was a book by a physicist, one of the most important physicists of our time. And yet it was a kind of um, Harry Potter book. Mm. It was a kind of miracle I was diving into. And it, it changed massively, this book changed massively the course of my life and my interest, I think. What I'd happened? What shifted? I mean, what was the concrete um, adjustment? Was it an emotion? Was it like a feeling of surrendering? What exactly happened when you understood that the world is bigger than probably your immediate exper experiments of the world, you know, or experiences of the mm. world? Yeah, it was basically like what the hell is he talking about? What 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 am I reading here? It was like a like a kind of shock, and uh, since then maybe I I like shocks and I like to to be puzzled, and he completely puzzled me because my worldview was not absolutely not prepared for this book. Mm. Um, he was he was talking of uh, uncertainty, and it was not that that. 
uncertainty principle what was the main thing and that things are uncertain that they are not clearly defined that the particle is not at one time at one place but at different places at the same time and uh, the world became magical again so a lot of us dealing with the fear of possibilities and a lot of kids deal with this fear of possibility i mean you can see that in your day-to-day -day job which is uh, being a teacher right so where do, how did it you know a how was this uh, so how did the magic happen for you then in your life and B, are you able to pass that magic on? Do you think that's one of your missions? Yeah, that's definitely one of my missions. I didn't even think about it. Now when you talk about it, it's uh, it's coming up. I didn't really think much about this book by Heisenberg in the last years. But for me, it's a mission to um, to bring this to bring this further up to to my pupils and. There's hardly one lesson uh, where I don't talk in one way or the other about the principles and philosophies in physics and yeah. the change of paradigm that happened in the last hundred years and what an open mystical world it is. And with this, I bring them, I bring them, I make them very much interested into it. Yeah. And it, it comes out of the of the set of of a set of uh, some. Um, some very simple rules that you apply it's it's much more than that and it's open and in the end you can only say nobody knows so this is very interesting for them also to to experience it's not a science it's not a set of information that we have and we know most almost everything of the world we hardly know anything and it seems to be an infinite process which going on and on and on and that fascinates them. Then they, they have the feeling they can take part in it and they can take part in this development which is happening there. But I also, you know, like, so a lot of us struggle with the idea that we are facing beauty. Can you, can you tell me a little bit, or our listeners, can you tell them a little bit more how you managed to become the most popular math and physics teacher and grind teacher in Berlin. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what, what you're doing in your classes and why you think it's not so cryptical than we, the other people think? That I don't know if I'm, I'm, if I'm the most popular teacher, but I know that the pupils like my, like my teaching and uh, there, are, there are different reasons. One reason is maybe that I that I am to totally open to to what is happening, and that I am um, that I that I have the, the the ability to bring the magic of this whole thing over to the pupils, and that it's not a, a fixed system which is boring, which is invented by mankind, and uh, the pupils have to learn it. But this is nature itself, what is happening there. Also mathematics, it's, it's just uh, nature itself. It's not, an, it's not invented by, by mankind. It's all the time new discovered what is, how, the, how the nature is talking to us. It's a little bit like, I mean, it's this story I keep telling to my students that when about the elephant and the three blind men that were all located mm. in, in different parts of the elephant, one was holding the trunk, mm. one was holding the tail, one was holding a leg, and they had to describe the elephant and then kind of we all end up in this situation when you talk about math, you're talking about the tail of the elephant, 
nature, you know, and I'm talking about the tusk. So is that a little bit like what you're saying, that you can open yourself up through seeing that we're talking about the same thing from different ends? Yeah, some, some say that the world, the whole world is like a hologram. Mm. And a hologram is, um, is very interesting because every part of the hologram, in every part of the hologram, the whole, the whole picture, the whole hologram is already in. So maybe also in the tail of the elephant is already the elephant in because it's a typical elephant tail. No, nobody, uh, no other animal has a tail like an elephant. So if you touch the tail of an elephant, you could also, if you would know, really know, then you would say, okay, that's an elephant. And if you would touch the feet of the elephant, you could say it's a pillar or something. But if you really know what an elephant is, you 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 would say, okay, that's an elephant. Mm. Uh, the it depends on the knowledge you have and the clarity which with with which the uh, impulses come into your brain and you manage to 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 work it out. So I think no matter where you look at, if you look clearly and healthily at things, you you're always connected with the truth. Mm. There's no escape. Mm. And. Uh, no matter what you do, if you if you love somebody, if you if you eat with your consciousness and uh, being fully conscious all the time, then you then you're connected with the world and the truth. Mm. It's just a matter of being connected, and um, it doesn't matter which method you use to get connected or to stay connected. What would be your advice? How do you, you know, if you go far out like that, that's the, that's the, um, that's the tripping of the spiritual seeker, you know, that everything just is matter and not matter, it's spirit, you know, it's even finer than that. How can we hold on to sanity in these observations and opening up and, you know, having to be in what we call duality, the immediate experience of our body in this world? Yeah, I think we, we are here to, um, one reason why we're here is to enjoy this world, mm. is to, to, to live in it and to live it fully. was the question, even if that kind of got lost a little. Okay, uh, I, so the opposite of sane would be insane. Yes. And what is insane? Is insane uh, feeling bad or is it yeah. not, not, uh, not acting according to, to normality or to the rule? Who is insane? Um, people are walking through the streets and shouting. Are they insane? I mean, we are we are shouting and talking in our brain all the time. Mm -hmm. Some do it loud, and yeah. most of us, ninety-eight percent of our time, there's something happening. There's some thoughts coming, some criticism, some um, some verdicts in our brain, some uh, some emotions coming up and going down. So. Is that sane or is that insane? What is insane? I don't really know what is insane. Well, no, I, I think that we can theorize about it, but like with the topic death, you know, are you afraid of death or not? Mm -hmm. I think we are in, in moments of time when we are more concerned about our mini-me's, you know, our like mm -hmm. when we kind of suffer from toothache or when we are kind of you know everything seems to be falling apart around us you know like when you when suddenly things happened like when your family fell apart and mm -hmm. that that is like something where we 
question our you know sanity and how we are holding on to that you know like how can i we talked about control earlier as mm. well you know like so my question really is is there something a go-to thing from your field of expertise that you would relate to you know something that keeps you out of these philosophic thoughts um that when life gets real you know like in that sense you know when when the drama hits town what what are you when the shit hits a fan as they say what is your go-to mm. method is this something that you relate to it's maybe as i said before it's uh, i feel in myself a kind of deep trust which is not always there which can which can go away for even for not only for minutes but for hours mm. when i feel that nothing is working out really and what is the sense now to do this because it will anyway i will fail in this and that these feelings they come and uh, maybe my field of expertise it's it's in the end also my experience that I listen to it, that I look at it, and when I look back at my life, then I see that I always come out of the situations. Mm. And I, I see that there's a natural, a natural instinct or impulse or built-in built in ability that we, in the end, deal with any situation that is mm. coming. The I think this is... The experience is that we are adaptable. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. this is this is very natural. Otherwise, maybe we would not be in this world, and to be in this world means to suffer also mm -hmm. a lot, and to yeah. to be in situations that are that are horrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, sometimes also, I especially when Shira was very young, I imagined situation like um, we adopted her, and there were problems, and maybe we cannot take her. And it was horrible, and I make scenarios how to take her out, or you make as a young father, you make experience, you make you go in your head, and you think, oh, but well, what, what, what will happen if she is dying? How will I feel? And mm. it's it's horrible, just horrible. But in the end, also, you see that it's all in your head, and there's a there's for me there's just a much higher intelligence that. Uh, I can. I've, I'm not in concurrence with that, mm. and I trust to this higher intelligence, which made me and you and everything which is here, or which is the origin of it all. And so, in the end, it's trust. Yeah. It's trust. It's a built-in trust, and it's no philosophy. Mm. It's no. It's not thinking this and thinking that. It's just relax. It comes and it goes. Everything comes and it goes, and. It's changing all the time. What what can you do? Nothing. Just go with the stream. Thank you. Can we um, can we move on to what's really happening with students these days and how you are trying to create more stability? You know, like um, as I said, you know, I'm not a math freak myself. Our daughter is not, and <laughs> <laughs> so there is people who still have to deal with these things and to might find that they have a gift in understanding nature through that lens. And you are trying to really um, tickle that out of students. Can you talk a little bit about your work and what you're trying to do in school and then out of the, the school field? What is your dream? What is your vision? Now, my dream and vision would be that um, the kids really enjoy being in school. It's a short time of their lives. 
And for me, it was when I was in school. Um, it was it was a very good time. I liked. I really liked to go there. I liked to be with my with the other pupils. What I didn't like was very often the teaching. The lessons were very often very boring and. <clears throat> Only later I came into, uh, let's say, into contact with things that that I could have enjoyed in school as well, like literature oh, yeah. and uh, history, things of history. And, and, and at school time, it bored me totally. And I cannot, I cannot do much. I'm working in a system which is quite stiff, and uh, the only chances I have to do something is when I stand in front of the class. Mm. And what I try then is, I don't try much. I, I'm just more or less as I am. I don't play a role. So for many of my colleagues, it's like they, they play a role. They're two different people. They're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde sometimes. Mm-hmm. In privacy, um, I, I see them as, as nice people. And the pupils say, oh, he's so horrible at school. And I said, what? Are we talking about the same guy? Yeah. And they say, yes, it mm-hmm. seems to be. And um, so they split up in their personality, mm. and of course the the pupils feel that mm. nobody wants to be uh, taught by a split person, which is not really authentic, and that was for me never a question. That made it often very hard to be a teacher mm. in a different way. Like uh, I'm always very open. I'm. Um, I'm acting in school like I act at home, like I like I'm when I'm together with my friends, with my family, and I think I'm not I'm not changing there the role. So this so is the most can important thing. Tell us thing. an example so that we can understand what you mean. You're acting naturally, you know. Like maybe you have a little story. You know, maybe the one when your colleague was a little bit. She was trying to assist other teachers by not letting the the group, the class scream on the in the hallway, which is kind of disturbing. And then she got so upset week. and you know yeah. that she might have not fulfilled that mission of contributing to uh, a community where everybody can, you know, do what they set out to do, you know, being quiet, listening to the teacher, learning something. So she came to your classroom with this um, yeah, can you talk a little bit like what Yeah, happened? it was just it was just last week when it happened and um, yeah. it was short before the last lesson, it was a seventh lesson yeah. uh, that day and I had with a class seven, which is which is not easy when they already were sitting about six hours in uh, in the class, sitting on their on their asses and not moving and getting their getting their brain full. And then uh, in the break from the between the sixth and the seventh lesson, I was already in the physics room, and then came this teacher, very young teacher, and she was complaining about the class that uh, they made a lot of noise and they were jumping on the on the corridors, and uh, if it would happen again, she would go to the to the headmaster and all those things. So she was really angry, which I couldn't could understand very much. She was young and she had a full job and after six hours a day uh, she was just finished with her nerves. And so she she let out her anger and I let her express the anger in front of the class and then uh, she went. And then we just talked about it with the class for more than half an hour. 
and they let out also their their vision of the story and their anger and what they sh thought she was doing. And they, they made very, very clever um, and very emotional comments. And so half an hour they put off their steam of the situation and we, in the end, we, we tried to ask, so do you have any idea what... What, what you could do maybe in the next when the next situation comes like that mm. so uh, you could also if you if you're not happy with this teacher in the in the classroom you could also go to the to the headmaster and talk and no we also don't want that because then she maybe will get some some problems and so you, you could see they were also compassionate and all the emotions came out and then the last 20 minutes um, we just made very nice teaching and they were happy and quiet and where are you trying to put your you know live liveliness and your understanding of life and nature into the system you know what is what are your current plans my current plans are to to go a little bit away from the from the technical teaching but for to to go more into the preparation for for exams on a emotional level, on a work organization level, uh, how can I deal with with a lot of work that is waiting for me? Especially now, the the final exams are waiting. They will be in April, May, and pupils they are already quite exhausted by the parents and by the teachers. And um, so my my approach would be to just to teach like very simple things how they can feed themselves um, in the in the exams which lasting yeah. sometimes four and a half five hours in math they have to to um, to sit there 300 minutes with full concentration and it's just not possible you you cannot concentrate so long and even it's it's worse when you when you drink sugar drinks in the beginning of that and then you maybe even risk a blackout because your your yeah. blood sugar goes down and so very elementary basic things or to relax in between to concentrate on your breath or to move a little bit to go out to the toilet and on the way to the toilet you move or something like that no? there are so there are hundreds of things you can do in a for a good preparation and um, this would be this would be a real impulse for me to do it because i see that clever pupils who are in the forefield, let's say in math, they are grade A or B or something. They they write their math exam and get a C or D or E or something like that. Mm. Not because they, they have suddenly lost all their intelligence and their ability for mathematics, but just because they they didn't uh, act to some basic mm. some basic rules that so. come from from your side. It comes from also from a Ayurvedic well, it background. Comes from, yeah, it comes yeah. from a different way of seeing the world. That the world yeah. is not like that. We cannot, we can isolate things to understand them a bit better. But in, at the end of the day, everything needs context, and uh, we lost the context in school teaching. That's what I'm hearing. You know, right. so you are adding new context to their life or how to absorb and how they want to learn and how they're understanding math you know in a playful way but also how it relates to how they are holding themselves as you know uh, human beings you know are you 
Are you uh, catering yourself, you know, through uh, to lack of sleep or, you know, fainting, no interest? Or where could you raise the interest, your own interest in the subject? Is that true? And you're kind of managing to do that a lot. That's completely true because maybe I also have the advantage now that I only teach half job. And I understand my colleagues very well because about 20, more than 20 years, I did a full job. And that's so exhausting. And you just, um, you just try to survive. And you, you try to, to stay yourself healthy in your mind. Yeah. And um, now, since I reduced to a half job, I'm, I'm much more free and uh, I'm much more open. I'm not stressed. And so I can give them also some different things than only the technical uh, teaching. Yeah. So I can give them something from my personality, what I learned mm. in this uh, more relaxed situation. Mm. And um, this, is yeah. a, this is what I can give them. You only can give them what you have yourself, in and, yourself. And you're mm. happy to give that also outside of school. So you're actually working on what we call these days coaching or program where you are helping people beyond the material which you can all also brilliantly teach as I observe you know to help them get success not only on understanding the math but understanding how they can assist themselves through different techniques and it needs a little bit in depth uh, orientation to together really into the system right that's your experience that it's not done by just reading a tip maybe for a moment it's done but then you forget it needs to be automated right yeah, these things they are not they're not taught in school at all, mm. you know? and not from the beginning. Even from the beginning, we should teach them uh, meditation. We should teach them to awareness. We t we should teach them uh, techniques of learning, or techniques of not of learning only, but of living your life. Yeah. How do you live your life to your fullest potential, and how how do you how do you change habits? How do you change habits? which are not healthy mm. and which you just have because you have them, not because they're good or yes. something, just because you learned them like that and you adopted them like that and then you, you, you don't get rid of them. Yeah. And how, how can you change some bad habits into good habits which make you a much more whole and profound mm. and happier being yeah. and also more efficient, not to, to stress the efficiency too much, but it comes by itself. The efficiency comes by itself. Yeah, automation is about efficiency, right? Yeah, At the end of the day, right. we yeah. all don't think about how to shift gear in a car. That would take us ages to, to get from A to B. So right. what you you're run. offering is a rewiring of things that should, could come with an efficiency and then l allows you to keep your mind open for the true task, which is solving the... Um, Solving the exam questions. <laughs> right, as you said the, the other day, that if you if you run full speed at the third gear, mm. with 120 kilometers per hour, mm. you destroy on the you destroy your motor, and you you cannot you cannot reach the next step. Yeah. With less, much less uh, effort, you could just shift into the fourth or fifth gear, mm. and then run uh, faster, more quiet, more relaxed. But the question is how to shift gears. And it's in the end, it's very easy to shift gears. It's the idea behind it. Let's say it's easy to to reach it. It's it's a way. You need some 
perseverance, you need some, some grit behind it and you yeah. need some clever information about it and you need somebody who is, who is on your side, yeah. who, will, who will show you the way. Yeah, and who are able to give that. I, I've seen it, I've seen people who seemed hopeless with math and you really kind of pick them up but you do it in a combination of really finding how they tick you know what, what they think where is their interest because nobody asked them what is their interest but you find out somehow and then it comes through understanding who they are that you can present the material in a different way plus that you bring in those life skills uh, of habit changing and yeah, growing your habits in in a way that they support you instead of destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like math is the frustration um, thing number one in school. Yeah. No, no other subject will frustrate you as much as mathematics. Yeah. You can always think in biology a little bit further in in, in German in languages or whatever, but in math, you you reach a point where you just with a head to the wall. And there's nothing going on. And then comes the frustration. And, and as soon as you take this point as the chance for next level, then the, the things open. And then you see the quality in this, in this hard tasks you have to do. Mm. You, you enjoy them. You're not frustrated. Oh, I cannot do that. But you see, oh, yeah, there's something. Here's the point I can learn. Here's that point. And this is a very valuable uh, information for your whole life, I guess. And so in, in the case of math, you can learn for your whole life how to approach things, how to approach problems. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a lens, a math lens, where you can look at your life. Fantastic. And if you're interested in getting in touch with Ulrich, his email address is Uli Helmstetter at yahoo.de and we're going to put that in the notes of the podcast so that you can see if Uli can help your son or maybe yourself if you are you know in an exam and help you to assist in your learning strategies that's what he's doing but thank you you're welcome making time again today to talk to me about your own work and uh, I hope you enjoyed it too I enjoyed it very much Thank you so much. If you enjoy listening to my podcast, please consider to become a patron at patreon.com slash Alexandra Kreis and pledge your donation.